30, and we're going to look at little creatures that give us great wisdom in Proverbs chapter 30. I've never preached many of these chapters before in Proverbs, so I enjoy the opportunity to share one of these things that the writer speaks about where he says there's three things, yea, four things. So he says in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24, there are three things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. So we want to look at these little creatures that give us wisdom and show forth God's wisdom. Let's pray. Father, now take this time. Speak to our hearts. God, as you have put even little creatures, little critters in the world for us to learn from, to learn wisdom from them, Lord, we thank you, God, that you put even your wisdom into to unclean animals. And so, Lord, help us to be wise and help us to learn the lessons you have for us from this passage of Scripture. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Life is often difficult. I mean, life is hard. Even today, the Lions were trying to come to church on the A train, and there was something happened, and the, the train got stuck, so they had to return. And they did want to be here and thank the church for our help. Are they here? Oh, you guys made it. You made it. Lentia, did you want to come and share a word? You wanted to share a testimony. I'm sorry, I didn't see you there. I just got the text that said you were, Leon was going to go back. I guess he has to go to work, right? Oh, oh. Here, come on up here. No, you have to come up here. This way the people on Zoom can hear you and see you. Okay, okay. Good morning, church. Um, so we had a really wonderful fellowship yesterday at our house. Um, we had about 12 people that came out to help us paint the house, and now we have a new gray house. Gray says it's the new, gray is the new what? The new something, but it's, it's really, it looks really nice. Um, so we just wanted to say thank you for all those that came out and, and really helped. We know Charlie had to go to work, but he came and, you know, he was really working it, and Vinny was there overseeing everything. Brother Adrian came with Douglas, and um, uh, John was there really early. Yen came in, and, um, you know, we just really want to say Zuki, thank you. Yeah, Zuki, Zuki, Zuki was there too. Zuki and Eno and Lebo. Yes, yes. Thank you guys. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lentia. These little creatures that we're going to look at today remind us that we feel small in this big world that we're in. And life can often be overwhelming because we feel so small. But these little critters can encourage our continuance. I like one of the Proverbs that says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, your strength is what? Your strength is small. And so may God give us great strength. And while we may feel small, don't you feel small sometimes in a big city? Don't you feel small sometimes in a big world? I mean, we're just one little person in this large city, but even this large world. But you know what God has put this large world in that we're, that we're sitting upon right now, this earth, in a massive universe that the, that the earth we're on is small, in fact, in comparison to the, 
the massive galaxy we're in and then one galaxy and how many millions? I don't know how many galaxies there are. Nobody knows. We are small. The earth is small in comparison to the greatness of God. And in His Word, He has given us these little creatures to show us His great wisdom. And what's interesting is they kind of give a, a, a full spectrum of, of, of wisdom for a healthy home, a peaceful church, a healthy community. And so each one kind of has its own specialty. And when you put the wisdom of these four creatures together, you get, I don't say a complete picture, but like a full-orbited picture of what is needed for there to be a healthy church. So, in other words, as we look at these aspects of wisdom today, we need to have, have wisdom so that we have a peaceful church. You, we need to have this kind of wisdom so that we can have healthy homes, and as well as in our community. And so these creatures also show us that you don't have to be big to have great wisdom. Wisdom is not in the size or strength of something. It's, it's in the greatness of God who gives it. And so we're going to look at these little creatures. It's the ant. It's the coney. It's the locust. And it's the spider. These are the four little creatures referenced in this passage of Scripture. And so they give us keys for big success. How we can be a big success. How we can be people of great wisdom. Don't you want to be successful? Don't you want to have great wisdom as you navigate life? Have peace in your home. Have peace in your job. Have peace in your community. We need peace in the church. So the first thing we see here is with the ants. And we see they, they have the wisdom of making preparation for the future. What does it say in verse 25 of the ants? It says, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. So the wisdom that's given to us of the ants is that they prepare their meat in the summer because what's coming? The winter's coming. Where do the ants go in the winter? You almost think they all die, but they don't die. They've been preparing for that winter. They have the wisdom to know that it's coming. So the ants show us forward planning. They show us foresight. Now, ants themselves are very, very small and easy to crush. Easy to be killed. But somehow, ants always come out in the warm weather and they find your Twinkie when you leave it on the, on the kitchen table, you know? They, they, know how to, they know how to get back into your house and we have to take care of them. But ants show us how to make preparation for the future. Now, I found this. Do you know what that is a picture of? You think an ant is just a nice little critter? That is a ferocious beast, man. That is an ant. His face. Now, don't have bad dreams about the ant. Okay? But that, that's, I found that picture. So, we're to, we're to consider, we're to learn from the diligence of ants. Small little bodies and smaller brains. But yet they do great work. They don't give up. They take initiative and responsibility. And when some little kid comes along and crushes their home and kicks their, their hard work all over the place, you know, they just get right back to it. And they build, they rebuild their home. They have that foresight. They never give up. They're survivors. They function with efficiency. And they always have time for a good picnic as well. So, I think I shared that earlier in this series, but I threw it in there once again. Ants, little creatures with great wisdom. What's the application? The application is they prepare that we are to prepare. So, the wisdom is to prepare for your future. 
Make preparation for your future. And so we need to have wisdom in this life to prepare for our earthly future. But even more important, our what? Our heavenly eternal future. That's wisdom. If you're not preparing for your earthly future, but even more important, your heavenly eternal future, you're a fool. Wisdom makes preparation for the future. Now, there is wisdom in preparing for our earthly future. It is not wrong to have life insurance so that when you die, your body can be well taken care of and buried. You know, a lot of people these days, when they die, maybe their family says, we don't have enough money, we don't have that much money, so let's just cremate them. Now, nobody goes to hell for getting cremated, okay? It's not a matter of salvation at all. But I do believe, as I read my Bible, that God, God's people... We're buried. And I believe that's the right way to treat the body when it dies. To treat it with that respect. Jesus Himself was buried in a tomb. And, he, and, and, and His body rose again. So we want to be like Jesus in that way. But it's not wrong to prepare for your future. To have a savings. To, to buy a home. To make a will. Make a will. Definitely. Establish a will, because if you don't get a, make, write a will, guess what? The government has one for you, and they're going to get a lot of your money after you die. And, and by the way, you want to have a will so that your kids aren't fighting over all your millions of dollars that you'll leave behind. I mean, people can get very nasty when loved ones die, and everybody starts grabbing and pushing each other out of the way. You have to have a will. It's wisdom to prepare for your future. Prepare for your senior years. Prepare for your retirement. And a lot of people are obviously well concerned about this with, with the, the coming down of the stock market and inflation and, and the, the other things going on financially. But we can only do our best to prepare for the future. But a lot of people are concerned about their future and about their retirement. And people are even wondering if Social Security is going to be there. So now people want to put their money into 401ks and 401ks are, are going down. So d d don't worry. Trust God. We need to trust God on these things. I'm saying it's not wrong to prepare for your future, but we have to trust God now and for our earthly future. Ants make preparation for the future. They're not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. But as much as it's important to prepare for our earthly future, how much more important is it to prepare for our eternal future? Because you're not... You're, you say, oh, I've got to prepare for my retirement, my 401ks, my Social Security. Great. But you might die before that happens. A lot of people, as soon as they retire... Many, so many people die. Okay, so I hope you're ready for that. We have to be ready to die. Prepare for your eternal future. Thank God for Consuelo. She lived amongst us for 26 years, a member of our church. She was like the mother of our church. She was one of the pillars, as Pastor Carmine even said the other day at, at her funeral. And this was her body in the casket. That's where we're going to be one day. We're going to be in a casket. Our body's going to be there. Where's your soul going to be? Consuelo was not in the casket. Her body was there. But her spirit, absent from the body, is 
present with the Lord. Are you sure you're going to be present with Jesus Christ one day? Now, the Bible talks of Jesus talked about this rich fool. Go to Luke chapter 12. Real quick, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus talked about this rich fool. And he was full of self and so empty of God. All he could do was think and talk about himself. He was full of covetousness. He was empty of any kind of compassion for anyone else. And he was full of plans. But he had no time. He had all kinds of ideas of things he wanted to do. But he wasn't going to get to do them because it was his time to meet God. It is appointed unto man once to die. All of us are going to give account of ourselves to God. We're going to stand before the Lord. Luke chapter 12, verse number 19. This is the teaching of Jesus. He said, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease and eat and be merry. In other words, he was going to be able to say to his soul after he built his big barns, okay, now I can rest, now I can relax. He never got there. He was going to die before his plans were fulfilled. So he was full of these plans to have ease and rest and peace, but he wasn't going to get there. Because God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So be rich toward God. Only a fool will plan for what is uncertain and not make any plans for what is absolutely certain. All of time is uncertain. But eternity is not uncertain. So we need to prepare for ourselves. We had a beautiful service there outside at a beautiful cemetery in Hawthorne, New York. By the way, Babe Ruth is buried there as well. I got to see Babe Ruth's grave. And Danielle and Ruth played a beautiful song. Do you know what song this is? What a love. The power of the cross. Christ redeemed us by His power. And as Amos says, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, because I will do this unto thee, the prophet says, prepare to meet thy God. And so ants teach us the necessity and the importance of preparation. The second thing we see here of these little creatures, not just the ants who teach us the wisdom in making preparation for the future, but the conies, it says a cony. Now, some believe this is, we would call it a hyrax, H-Y-R-A-X. If you look at this little animal, it it looks like a rabbit. I I call it, this is my name for it, others would call it this as well, but it's not the official name of it, but it looks like a rock rabbit to me. It's like a rabbit that lives in the rocks. A coney. And here it says that a coney are a feeble folk. They're not strong. So what do they do? They have the wisdom to make their house where? In the rocks. So this kind of rock badger or rock rabbit is small in size. 
It's still found in Israel in the barren cliffs around the Golan Heights and other areas. They're defenseless animals. They cannot defend themselves. They have long hair, short tail, round ears, and it even says in the book of Leviticus that they're unclean animals. They're unclean. Yet God cares for them and He recognizes that this small, weak animal, unable to protect itself, has wisdom. It has the wisdom to do what? To make their home in the rock. They know their best defense is to run for the rocks. (laughs) And isn't that great wisdom for us? What's the greatest wisdom we could have? Run to Jesus Christ. He is the rock of our salvation. So they show us the care of God in protection. They run to the rocks. God even cares for this little rock rabbit, this unclean animal. And He cares for us, unclean sinners. He went to the cross for us. And we sang about Jesus Christ, our rock. There's so many verses about the Lord, our rock. Psalm 18, verse 2. Say it with me. It says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. And Psalm 40, verse 2 says, He brought us out of a horrible pit and He set our feet upon a rock and establish our going. And so we need to be people who will set our feet on the rock because He is a rock as this song. And Brother Ashok is going to come here and he, I know he loves this, this song and he even want, asked me years ago if we could sing this chorus so I asked Ashok to sing it with me right now. Psalm 61. If here you we guys go. want to follow along, it's Psalm 61 verses 1 to 3. Yeah, so, here we go. Here we go. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto Thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That is higher than I. For Thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 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 Thank you, Ashok. Thank you, brother. If you're not a Christian, come to Jesus. He's a wonderful Savior. He's the rock. His name is Jesus. We need to flee to Jesus Christ. When you're afraid, flee to Jesus. Get in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Get with other people. Call somebody on the phone and pray with them. Come to church. Hear the Word of God. Go to prayer meeting on Wednesday. Have family devotions. Pray with your husband, your wife, your children. Pray with one another. Pray without ceasing. Jesus is the rock. And there's another song that I came across. It says, He's the rock that is higher than I.
then to the rock let me fly that is higher than I oh then to the rock let me fly to the rock that is higher than I oh then to the rock let me fly to the rock that is higher than I thank you Ruth and I want to share these three reasons why we need Jesus Christ so much what are these three reasons there's many ways to say this but here's a way we can say the importance of fleeing to Christ because we're all sinners all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God and when man sinned all of us fell into sin. We sinned in Adam, the Bible says, for as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And what does sin do? It warps and mars the image of God in us. Man is an image bearer of God, but because of sin, we are not all that we should be or that we ought to be. We are warped. We are marred by sin. All of us are stained and fallen because of sin. All we like sheep have what? Gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Sin warps God's image in us. Secondly, sin banishes us and separates us from his presence. You remember what happened to Adam and Eve when they sinned? God did what? What did he do in relationship to the Garden of Eden? He what? He cast them out of the garden and then he put an angel to guard the, the garden to keep them from eating of that, that tree of life and to keep them from the Garden of Eden. And to this day, we don't know where that Garden of Eden is and in the sense of where we can actually ex fully experience it here. The best way to, to experience the, the tree of life on earth is through wisdom, though. And we've seen that even in the book of Proverbs. But sin banishes us and separates from His presence. And then the third thing we can say clearly about sin is it puts us under the curse of death and hell. Jesus said, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are not what? Condemned. You are justified. In His sight, you are sanctified, set apart. You are in His sight, glorified. He sees you now in Jesus Christ as you will be with Him in heaven for all eternity. That's grace. But sin puts a curse on, of death and hell upon us if we're not without, if we don't know Jesus. Jesus said, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But, he that believeth not is condemned already. Right now, condemnation is upon you, dear friend, if you're not saved and born again through the blood of Jesus Christ and by the power of His Holy Spirit. He that believeth not is condemned already. Jesus said it. Because He hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Sin puts all men in danger without Christ of going to hell and of spending eternity unthinkably but true in the lake of fire. We need Jesus Christ. So what does Jesus do? Why sin warps in God's image in us, Jesus does what? He restores us to that image so that we are, we are going to be made perfect by Him. And now we're in the process of being conformed to His image and we're growing into Christ-likeness. That's what we should be doing as Christians and growing into Christ-likeness. He restores us to the image from whence we've fallen. Secondly, while sin banishes us 
by the grace of God, He receives us into His presence and invites us to come to His throne of grace. We have fellowship with Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And where a sin puts the curse of, of death and hell upon us, Jesus releases us from that curse because He was made a curse for us. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Jesus took the curse of sin for all humanity. Run to Christ. Run to Jesus Christ for salvation. You say, well, I'm saved. Most of us here are saved. But maybe someone is not. Today, you need to be saved. Be born again. Trust Jesus Christ. Because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Time is uncertain, but eternity is sure. So you need Jesus to restore us. We need to restore us to the image from whence we've fallen, to receive us into His presence, to deliver us from the curse of the law. Jesus Christ, He is our rock, the rock of our salvation. The conies run to the rocks. They teach us that. So the third thing we see of these little creatures, not only the ants teach us the wisdom of making preparation for the future, the conies teach us the wisdom of seeking protection in the rocks. The third thing we see is the locusts. And they show us the wisdom of advancing purposes with cooperation. In other words, advancing the purpose for which you were created, but you have to cooperate with other people. Locusts teach us the wisdom of fulfilling their purpose, but doing it in cooperation with other locusts, because they can't do it alone. (laughs) Now, I dare you to say something good about a locust. I mean, locusts are not known for very good things. They do a lot of devastation and damage. From Exodus all the way to Revelation, we see them as devouring swarms that bring great scourge. But here, the locust is put in a positive light. It says, amazing verse 27, the locusts have no king. There's nobody guiding the locusts in how they cooperate together to fulfill their purpose to bring destruction. That's their purpose. <laughs> when they gather together, they're like going to eat a lot of, eat all the grain they can and eat all the crops of people and, you know, leave behind a wasteland. But they don't have a king. But they know they can't do it alone. They're too small to take on the task by themselves. So it says they have no king, yet they go forth, all of them, by bands. In groups. In massive groups. And you've seen pictures of locusts that travel in such immense legions that they darken the sky and the air, and the sun itself is made dark because they're so plentiful, and then they make desolate the fertile plains. They, they move in sweet synchrony of destruction in an amazing cooperative way. So what does this teach us? We need to advance the purpose for which we were created by cooperating with each other. We can't do it alone. We have a great purpose to live for. But you need to work with people in doing it. That's the application. So it says they have no king. 
Oh, isn't that sweet? But we do. They have no king, don't we? King of my life, we sang today. I crown thee now. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. So the application for us is submit to the rule of our King. Exalt Him. Glorify Him. Live for His exaltation. And then live to expand His kingdom. Expand the kingdom of the King here on earth. We're like the locusts. We're too small to stand alone to fulfill this purpose. So that's why He puts us in families when we're born. To have the strength of a mother and father and family, maybe grandparents and other siblings, aunts and uncles. We have, you know, isn't a family a blessing? Families give us nurture, give us provision. God didn't just put us into this world and say, here, sink or swim all by yourself. He put us in a family. And the same thing when we're born again. He wants us to be in a local church, which is a church family. And while we're too small in this world, listen, if you separate yourself from God's people and think you can live for Jesus Christ apart from the people of God, you're a fool. You're a fool. Because this world will eat you up. You will be influenced by the power of the world system all around us. You will, be more e- you will more easily fall prey to the temptations of Satan. You will more easily give in to the wickedness of your own flesh. You will, more, you will start to listen more to the, to the world and its, and its calls for you than to the Word of God. We need the local church because Jesus said, I will build my church. Get involved in what Jesus is building. That's why we're here. Isn't it wonderful that we care about what Jesus is building? And we want to be a part of it. That was my decision a long time ago. And that's the decision of many of you. That's why we're here. Standing together, we are like an army of locusts, an unstoppable army, fulfilling His purpose to exalt His name, to expand His kingdom through His church. We are soldiers. We are in a war. Are we not, dear friends? We're in a war. We have a great purpose to live for. Don't we have a great purpose to live for? To serve Jesus Christ? To bring souls to Him? To, to, if you're married, to bring up your children in His ways? If you're at your job, to be a light and testimony of Jesus Christ in your community? We're in a spiritual battle. And we are soldiers of Jesus Christ. We're not to be entangled with the things of this world. But we're to work together, cooperate. That's what, you know, and I thought about this week. And I thought about cooperation. Brother Vinny called me one day and he said, Pastor, one of our church members has a need in their home and, and God put it on his heart that we could help paint their home. And so we worked together and we asked others to come along, but it was the boss, we called him the boss yesterday. And, and so thankfully, and we came together and men came with their, with their sons and mothers came with their children and it was a blessing. And we were literally crawling over each other. We had so many people painting there. In, the, in the, the beautiful home of Leon and Lentia. But we advanced the work. We, we were able to put some primer down and then we put in the finishing coat that will help them uh, be more safe in their home and, and their beautiful home. But that's just one of the things this week. Every Sunday we, we do a cooperative effort on the radio. What a blessing as we work together on the radio with Micah and Esther 
uh, working and getting people to sit on the panel, getting people to do call screening. I, I love every Sunday night. And, and we, of course, have, have Tina. Not all the time now, but Tina. Nana and Jackie coming and always assisting and helping and working together, cooperating in our track ministry, working together, cooperating. Uh, and even last week, what a blessing. This is a picture of, it's a little blurry, but that of Josephine. I didn't even know that was happening, but people got together and, and uh, said, let's have a little birthday celebration. I believe you did, Lintia. Was that your heart to do that for, I don't know, who, was that your heart to do that for Josephine? Oh, Women's Fellowship. Women's Fellowship. Thank you, uh, Lentia. So, Women's Fellowship, working, cooperating. Isn't that beautiful? So, we, we don't have to be a big, a big person. We don't have to be a big church. We're not a big church, but we can work together and cooperate. Whether it's the homeless outreach, whether it's church suppers, whether it's the bus trips that we've just been on. I mean, there's so many things that, that we actually... It just blows my mind, even the last two months... All the different opportunities we've had to fellowship, to work together, to cooperate. And it's all to exalt Jesus. We're not doing it for ourselves. We want Jesus. We want to see Jesus Christ on a bus trip. We want to see Jesus Christ when we have a meal and a fellowship, when we have our service. We want to see His greatness, His glory, His love. He died on the cross sharing the Gospel. That's why we're here. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. And I, I, I just thought of these few pictures that I put up to illustrate what I'm trying to say with the locusts. And this is just in the past week. Just to say a church is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, a lot of people, it's the devil that attacks the church and says, oh, there's just hypocrites in the church. I'll never go to such a place like that. That's wicked. Of course there's hypocrites in the church. There's a lot of hypocrites outside the church too. We're in the world. We're never going to get along perfectly with everyone and maybe not even anyone. So even if you, if you have interpersonal problems in a local church, and guess what? If you come into a church and start cooperating with other people, are you going to have some interpersonal conflicts? You are. Why? Because we're human beings. <laughs> Interpersonal conflicts happen at job, at home, and in church. Don't run from it. You run from one church, you'll just run into a church. You might get along worse over there. So just work, work your best around here. Stay. Work. Serve. Glorify Christ. Keep Christ your focus. Not the way so-and-so hurt you, or not the way so-and-so, what they said to you. Keep Jesus Christ. First and foremost, of why we do what we do. We do this for Him. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And as your pastor, I love you. I praise God for our church and the cooperation that we have together. The fourth and last thing is the wisdom of taking possession in royal palaces. So the four things that these little creatures have great wisdom. The ants show us great wisdom in making preparation for the future. The... Conies show us great wisdom in seeking protection in the rocks. The locusts show us great wisdom in advancing their purposes with cooperation. And finally, the spider shows wisdom in taking possession in royal palaces. Now, notice what it says here about the spider. It says the spider takes hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. Now, there's different... Translations say a few different things about this. I'm not going to get into all of it. 
Some even think that the, the little creature here could be some kind of a wall lizard, and it could be. It could be like a gecko. I still remember when I went to uh, the Philippines and visited in the home of Jethro and Jane Malakow, and they, they have a gecko living in their home because it, it, eats, the, it eats the bugs or, and, the, and, and the mosquitoes or whatever. So the gecko is like their little buddy there. Hey, eat the mosquitoes, you know. So he's welcomed into their home. Maybe it's something like that. But here it says a spider. And it says the spider takes hold with its hands and it lives in the most prized residence in the land. The spider gets, worms his way into the king's palaces, into the presence of the king. And if a spider can get, here's the point, if a spider can work its way into the most prized residence, the royal presence, how much more can we get to Jesus Christ? He's the King. He's the royal King of kings. We can get to Jesus. The spider gets into king's palaces and we can get into God's grace right there. That's the application. Take possession of the royal palaces. The application is take hold of Christ. Take hold of Christ. And His promises. And dwell in God's throne room of grace. In heavenly places in Christ. Now when I thought of the the king's palaces, I think of Christ Himself. Do you know where you are when you're saved? Positionally speaking, where are you? Paul said it over and over again in his epistles. He said, you are where? You are in Christ. You are in Christ. Crucified. You are in Christ. Buried. You are in Christ. Raised. You You are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. Seated in heavenly places. Do you know that's your royal position? You are in Christ. We can take authority over the the powers of Satan because we are in Christ, seated high with Him over all the powers of this world. Take your authority in Jesus Christ. We are seated in royal palaces in Jesus Christ. And then I thought of how God invites us. Come into the throne of Grace. Now go, go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And if, of course Hebrews 4.16 says where God commands us to come into the throne of grace that we might find grace and mercy to help in time of need. But in, in Romans chapter 5, I love how Paul puts it in, in verse 1 and then verse 2. Romans chapter 5, I'll start at verse 1. He says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So we're called to come to the throne of grace, but never forget that in Christ, you live in grace. You're standing you're standing in royal palaces in Jesus once you're saved. You're in Christ. And we have access into His presence. We have direct access to God's ear. That when we pray, He hears our prayers. And don't ever believe the devil's lie that He doesn't hear your prayers. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. It says in 1 John 4, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And in 1 John 5, He says, and whatsoever we pray, He hears us. He hears us. 
There's a whole book in the Bible that tells us God hears and answers prayer. There's two books. Samuel. <laughs> Samuel means asked of God. Samuel is, was born into this world because his mama prayed. God answers prayer. So, beloved, take hold of Christ. Take hold of those precious promises. What promise do you need to take hold of today? What are you going through? Whatever you're going through, there's a promise for you. Take hold of that promise from God that He'll help you. He'll give you wisdom. Protect you. We need His protection these days. We need to pray for our dear Lions family going back and forth on the Far Rockaway A train. I saw a terrible thing. 15-year-old kids got into an argument. Did you see that in the news this week? It's awful. They just got into an argument and they're carrying guns and, and a fifth, I, think, I believe a 15-year-old boy was shot and killed on the A train. I don't know if it happened this week, but uh, the, the, the video of it came out. And it's every week we're seeing things like this in our own city. So we need to pray for protection. We need to pray for power. That we could have the power of God in our lives. And so, beloved, if the, the spider could take hold of the, the, the walls of a royal palace, we could take hold of Jesus Christ and live in His presence and enjoy the, the, the presence of our King of kings and Lord of lords. And the best day to do all this is today. If you're not saved, the best day in your life to ever call upon Jesus Christ, it, and when I say if you're not saved, I mean if you have not come to the place in your spiritual life that you know for certain that you've been born again, that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're not trusting yourself, you're not trusting your works, you're not trusting church, you're not trusting anything you've done, you're trusting what Jesus Christ did on the cross for your sins. That is, He died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. His death pays for all the penalty of your sin, and He rose again. And as He rose, you, you will rise through Him. You're not going to get to heaven through your, through your power, through your works. You're going to get to heaven only through Jesus Christ and His power. The best place to call upon the Lord is here. The best time to call upon the Lord in your life, the best time you'll ever have to, to be saved is now. Now is the accepted time. Why? There's no reason to put it off. Do you know anyone in the history of the human race who said he was going to die and then defeat death and rise again? Has anybody done that? Have you, learned, have you heard of anyone who has done that throughout all of human time and history? Any religious leader? Do you know who said he was going to die and then defeat death and rise again? Only Jesus Christ. Flee to Him like the rock rabbit to the rock. Hold on to Him like a spider to the wall. Prepare for your eternity like an ant prepares for the winter. And then serve Him like a locust going to war. Let's stand together as we pray. May God give us wisdom. Lord, let's pray for that wisdom today. Little creatures, 
God says we can learn great wisdom from. Lord, we're put to shame by the ants and by unclean rock rabbits, by destructive locusts, by spiders that we basically have a natural aversion and fear of. But Lord, you teach us lessons from them. I pray that today, if there's anyone that needs you, Jesus, that they will run to you. That they would not delay, they would not put it off. They would get things right with you. And I pray, God, if there's anyone here even who is a Christian, who has started to live more for the things of this life and making preparation more for earthly time and not for eternity, by investing their lives in spiritual things, I pray, God, you'll help us all to prepare for our future by the fact that we're going to stand before you one day. I pray you'll help us to seek protection in you, our rock. I pray, Lord, we would have the wisdom to advance your purpose and we would cooperate with others. Give us peace and love and unity in our church as we are serving for your purpose here and not our own. And Lord, help us to always take hold of your promises. How many say, Pastor Matt, that's my desire as a Christian, to have the great wisdom these little creatures show us. Can I just see your hand? Just put it up and say, yes, Lord, give me that wisdom to prepare for my eternal future, to find my protection in Christ, to cooperate in love with those around me. The purpose is great. The work is great. We can't do it alone. It's so much better to do it with others. Take hold of His promises. Say, thank you, Lord, for Your wonderful promises. Thank you, Lord, that I'm in Jesus Christ. I'm seated with You in heavenly places. I'm far above all those angels and principalities that want to destroy me and defeat me and deceive me. I claim victory in Jesus Christ, seated with Him in His royal pavilion. My shelter is Jesus. He's the one. He's my rock. I run to my rock, the rock of ages, the rock of my strength and my refuge. You can put your hands down. And is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, if I die today, I'm not sure I go to heaven, but I need to make sure right now, today is the best time and I'm ready by the grace of God. I need Jesus Christ. I need Him to deliver me from the wrath to come. I need Him to restore me to that image from whence I've fallen. And so, Pastor, pray for me that I would call upon the Lord. I'm ready to be saved. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone like that? Anyone at all? He will receive you. So now, Lord, thank You for Your love and thank You for Your goodness. And I pray, God, if anyone needs to make a decision today, that they would just step out of their seat, meet us here in the front. If you want to pray with anyone, the invitation song is is for you to step out of your seat if you'd like to come and pray on your own or pray with someone. The invitation is open. If you need Jesus, step out, come. We're here to help. We're here to talk either now or after the service as Brother Sid comes and leads us in, in times like these.